Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most bikeable city between Tampa Bay and Los Angeles. This is Jared Jacang Mayor, and I'll be your very agreeable host today. With me in studio is co-host and Nobel Laureate of Douchebaggery, Josh Johnson. Hi, Josh. Good morning. How do you like your new title? I can uh, settle into it, I think. Okay, we have to get new business cards made. That's right. And we also have in studio James Carlson, a reporter with Law Week Colorado. Hi, how are you doing there, James? It's been a little while since you've uh, graced our presence. Yeah, 10 months, too long. And so, topics today. Uh, first off, we're going to be talking about an article that James wrote where some Colorado attorneys are battling corruption, but they have to go all the way to Arizona to do it. And uh, the question we're wondering, or I'm wondering at least, is why Colorado is so lame when it comes to good old-fashioned political corruption that we have to um, send, uh, you know, we're outsourced to fight corruption elsewhere. And also, uh, DNA evidence is being used to free wrongly convicted people like Robert Dewey we saw recently. And I'm wondering, are we at the point where we just now toss out fears about police collecting your genetic information and just say we're all going to be uh, categorized and have our DNA uh, taken by the police. And uh, later on, hashtag Denver Dares was a big hit on Twitter last week, and it basically was a mutation of Visit Denver's Truth or Dare campaign. We'll be bringing in Justin Bresler, who's the Vice President of Marketing and Business Development at, Vi- at Visit Denver, to get his take. And um, I forgot to mention uh, Julian Mondragon behind the glass. How you doing there? Pretty good, guys. Uh, Julian, you're only allowed to do one wacky sound effect during my show. <laughs> so whatever it is, it, it better be good. Uh, uh, before we get into our topics, um, just a, a quick note. There seems to be perhaps a widespread misconception that we are making boatloads of money off of the Denver Diatribe. Who would think uh, that? It's, it's widespread, Josh. It's widespread misconception. But uh, what I want to say is that... Uh, to the contrary, yeah. none, of us, none of us actually uh, earn a paycheck off of the Denver Die Tribe. We do it because uh, we are people of the city. We like to get together and talk about interesting things, politics, culture, and um, you know have a venue to do that and reach out to like-minded people. So everyone out there, uh, we don't ask for your monetary contributions, but we do ask for your perspectives and your participation. Most notably, it's been a long time since we've really plugged and gotten people to call and leave their love or hate voicemails on our uh, love or hate uh, phone line. That's 720-282-YELL, 720-282-9355. So we know that you out there have so many great loves and hates Give it. Give us a call. Leave your message, and we'll play it on the Diatribe. Also, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Denver Diatribe, um, and visit us online at DenverDiatribe.com, where you can subscribe. And James Carlson, I know that. How, how is it that you subscribe to the Denver Diatribe? Because maybe, can you explain how? How do you subscribe? Wow, that, you look scared. Um, oh, yeah, so so you don't actually subscribe to the Denver Diatribe podcast. Um, <clears throat> what a great opportunity, Josh! Hmm. Can you instruct the, the ways that uh, uh, James can subscribe to the? I Denver hope I can. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a uh, very easy how-to on our website at 
<laughs> their diatribe.com. Very good. Very well. Okay. For example, you. What, what type of smartphone do you have? You uh, on a, a Google phone? A Google phone. Yeah. Google Android. Well, uh, Google you, Listen. Google Listen. That's the one that uh, that that I use actually because I'm on an Android phone too. But uh, if you go onto our website, go to the How to Subscribe button, you can find the link that all you. Uh, that you can plug into Google Listen there. It subscribes, delivers the Denver Diatribe podcast right into your ear every single week. You don't even have to do anything. And and now now our website is actually adapted for mobile usage. Yeah, works on the well, iPad. Which was new, so it looks good on my iPhone. Too. Yeah, yeah, getting pretty fancy there. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, uh, uh, James, that's the last time I'll use you as like a, r- a rhetorical uh, straw man punching straw man <laughs> in order to get a point across. <laughs> because our uh, first topic, uh, well, okay, do you guys want to talk about the uh, Colorado attorneys going to Arizona to fight corruption first, or talk about the um, DNA issue? Mm-hmm. Corruption, corruption. Okay, so uh, James, you wrote this piece for Law Week. Colorado at lawweekonline.com. Local attorneys go neck deep in Arizona's legal corruption case. So can you give us a, a quick rundown about what that story is and what they're doing there? And then maybe we can talk about, you know, why we're not fighting corruption here in Colorado as much, or we don't see these types of stories as much. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I think your listeners may be familiar with uh, the name uh, um, Sheriff Arpaio, Joe Arpaio. He's the kind of... Uh, uh, I don't know, wacky. Some would say crazy guy down in uh, Maricopa County, Arizona. And, and he's, he's the guy that will uh, do things like uh, very, you know, have these policies that are very anti-illegal immigrant. He, he for his, the jails that he sets up are like tents outside in the right, Arizona in, heat, and he in feeds the desert, like yeah. rotten bologna sandwiches. Jeez, yeah. he calls himself the toughest sheriff in America. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's got a big sign above his head in the office. Very so controversial. Like, he's been getting in lots of trouble. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, tell us a little bit more about that and how these attorneys got involved. Yeah, well, his uh, his kind of uh, go to guy in the courts is a guy named Andrew Thomas. He was the county attorney down there, and he was basically charging anyone and everyone who disagreed with him or Sheriff Joe Arpaio with uh, racketeering, with uh, all sorts of federal and state crimes, uh, basically to in retribution for uh, disagreeing with them. So, and to intimidate others from investigating sure. or or taking on Joe Arpaio. And was this the same guy that had charged the um, publishers of Village Voice yeah. Media, uh, yep. uh, Mike Lacey? He, they, yeah, they arrested they, him. They arrested him. They went to his house and arrested yep. him, but that got overturned. But So so this attorney's in a lot of trouble. Uh, I mean, he, there's an ethics well, case. it was an ethics. Uh, so people in Arizona brought in these two attorneys from Colorado to do an ethics investigation. So there's no criminal uh, case yet um, that the feds are investigating. But, uh, yeah, the uh, civil complaint basically ended. Um, they had a trial for maybe, I don't know, three weeks uh, last year, and it just came down the, the decision to disbar this guy, which is pretty unique for a you know county attorney to be disbarred from the practice of law. So why did they bring in these Colorado attorneys? Uh, everyone in Arizona was conflicted out. They had... Um, you know, it's, everyone had some sort of connection. They knew a judge, or they uh, who was being charged by Andrew Thomas. Um, they had worked with Andrew Thomas. So, how much of that are people just not wanting to, yeah, have it be a part of it? You know, yeah, they don't want to step into. I mean, it. You, everybody's going to conflict out. They're all going to come up with some reason because no one wants to be a part of that mess, right? Sure. And so, these two attorneys, uh, what what exactly was their experience like? Because you you wrote this piece that kind of tracked how they 
entered into this morass and, and what they learned from it. Yeah, so you've got this guy, um, John Gleason, who's the head of our uh, attorney regulation here in Colorado, and he's kind of, uh, he would disagree with this, but he's kind of a maverick. Uh, he shoots from the hip. Uh, I interview a lot of lawyers, and they usually are pretty tame, but this guy will say exactly what he thinks. So he went down there to investigate along with uh, another attorney, and they were basically subjected to the same type of tactics that um, that they were investigating. They were followed uh, by sheriff's department employees. Um, at one point in the investigation, they were approached by the FBI and said, you need to get out of your hotel room. You're going to be uh, set up. Wow. Hmm. Someone from the sheriff's department is going to put drugs in your uh, hotel. Someone's going to put a young girl in there. I don't know. Um, so they were, uh, yeah. And, and that... Uh you know, that's what's so interesting to me about when you hear these corruption cases or these scandals or just the ways that power and politics and money get so intertwined, especially in other states, that it turns into these, like, huge um, corruption. I mean, you can just look at that and know, you know, it's just it's just right there. Sheriff Joe Apio and the, the prosecutor there, totally in cahoots. I mean, everyone knows that it's going on, and it's just sort of this accepted thing. And I think to... When we look at Colorado, you don't really at least see the same level of outright blatant corruption. For example, we we house we are currently housing someone who's very politically corrupt, uh, Rod Blagojevich, mm. <laughs> in federal mm-hmm. prison here for a but while. For he'll be living, be a neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that you know, we look at a place like Chicago, where how many of their governors have been convicted and sentenced. Uh, these are the, the past two. Yeah, the past two governors. And then the the types of um, political corruption that you see within Chicago is pretty notorious. But you look at other states, I think of you know Florida <laughs> has a lot of – New Jersey has a lot of co- corruption. And I know that uh, at least when the Blagojevich thing was going on, there were some pieces that were written kind of looking at Colorado. Do we see the same level of corruption here or – is it if we don't see it is because it exists and we're just not as good at ferreting it out yeah which is it what do you think well i don't know the denver post doesn't have as many reporters anymore so maybe that's uh maybe that's that might be part yeah, of where's it. the checks i don't know we're uh we're pretty agreeable here maybe we just don't uh, care enough to try to put one over on somebody i mean i, I think it's a a a cultural thing is what some people have pointed to when you look at some place like chicago or uh New Jersey, for example, the 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 way that that those political cultures evolve, being so intertwined with you know big business interests and uh, the way that these corrupt people can sort of rise to the ranks and help each other out in this very closed system, we we don't really see that as much in Colorado. I mean, there is there is all of that. There there is a level of like corruption that's out there in Colorado, but it's not so blatant. But people would be very very shocked if the type of shit that goes on in Chicago or even what's going on in Arizona was to be taking place here in Colorado. Yeah, I think, you know, culturally a big difference, and this is from experience in New Jersey and I assume with Chicago, though I don't know about Arizona, is that uh, we tend to have a culture that's more collaborative and less competitive. Hmm. I think even if, if, you, if you look at even, like, you know, the music scene, there's, there's not as cutthroat. It's hmm. not, they don't see each other as against, you know, it's like if you're playing a show, then... Then we're drawing audiences. Do you think? From, you do you know. think it's part of having a uh, demographics of people who are largely from other places, transplants coming to a place? There's not as much of the entrenched old guard. I mean, both of you 
sure come from other places mm-hmm. um is that something that you that maybe you pick up on there james the and and from even from the legal community do we see as much focus on corruption or or that type of um quid pro quo that can go on at other cities or other states i mean i haven't seen it in what i've been covering for a couple months but uh yeah maybe um i think you might be right i mean we're all here new so we're yeah. all uh we're all looking to get along. I don't know. Yeah, make a go of it. Yeah. Plus, we all moved here for a certain lifestyle, or even if it's perceived, which is um, more laid back. And and in Colorado, certainly does have a past history of high levels of corruption um, through the 30s and 40s. So I, I, I do wonder if there was some mm-hmm. shift that went on when you had a lot of uh, uh, immigrants from other places coming mm-hmm. in here and sort of laying down uh, their own rules and not necessarily being so locked into old ways and old uh, relationships that they aren't going to have those same types of insider dealings. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's unfortunate. I wish there was more. Yeah. From, frankly, from just a, you know, from a It's entertaining. It's entertaining for sure. Um, <laughs> that said, I don't think we should be Arizona. I think Arizona is like, you always still go to Texas and think Texas is, you know, this kind of conservative state but no, I was, I was Arizona is the new Texas Arizona is the new Texas I was even hearing on, on NPR yesterday that within the next you know 10 to 20 years Texas might be a purple state might really yeah is that because yeah. of the immigration population it is yeah. it is it, that within the next 10, 10 years they think that the majority population will be yeah. Latino Latina um, and, they're, and they're moving away from voting for the conservatives because of their attack on immigration mm-hmm Okay, so we'll post, uh, James, your article into the shadows uh, from Law Week Online. We'll post it on our uh, website, DeverDiatribe.com. So topic number two, uh, I was thinking a lot about this Robert Dewey case, this guy who was exonerated after 18 years, right, of being in prison. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the reason it kind of jumped forward in my mind is that this week the Denver police are finally getting to move into their fancy new crime lab. Have you seen this building? I have not. Where is it? It's Biffy. It's right next to the uh, downtown Denver Police Headquarters, okay. which is a very you know modernist, blunt, ugly, concrete building. Uh, and the police crime lab is this kind of addition to the side of it, mm. uh, but it's pretty huge. It's something like uh, four levels tall, six, 60,000 square feet, um, was part of a $36 million bond package. Uh, but you've checked it out. It, it looks uh, looks pretty nice. I've seen the pictures. Looks uh yeah, pretty close they, to CSI. Do they just service uh, a county of Denver or city of Denver? Like, yeah, I mean, I yeah. mean, can other municipalities that don't have well, such I resources that, uh, ship from what things? I read that the, that some of the facilities are going to be used uh, for some other types of collaboration with other law enforcement agencies. Yeah, right. But but primarily, it's a, a Denver police facility. Because how much how much work do they have to? do you know i mean i I mean what's our i I don't know what our murder rate is but well i mean they 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 handle them they handle the most cases out of any city in colorado sure sure that makes sense uh but it really brings into focus the the big uh move toward forensics i mean you mentioned csi that's the big thing in the media but now using dna evidence not only in trying to solve new cases but trying to look back on other cases and so uh, James, you wrote a little bit about the uh, uh, Dewey case. Robert Dewey, this guy who was convicted for 18 years. Can you refresh our memory on, on what this guy's story was? Uh, yeah, he was convicted 18 years ago of uh, a murder, uh, rape and murder. 
and put away uh, based on uh, uh, partially based on DNA evidence at the time the technology just wasn't as good and he um, his defense attorney was working with him uh, over the past year and a half and along with this justice review project it's a a project out of the attorney general's office that looks at possibly wrongfully convicted people and and what they found was when they looked at the DNA they did his DNA. They found past evidence, and the guy, the actual DNA matched some other guy that was already locked up for another crime. Mm-hmm. And then it was like Robert Dewey, you're free to go. Yeah, it was a really. I'd be so source. pissed. Yeah. I can't think of anything that would piss me off more than to be locked up for 18 years for something I didn't do. Yeah. Well, and there's been speculation. Will will this guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Will this guy file a lawsuit like Tim Masters did up in Fort Collins? Yeah, you would. Um, but uh, it's unclear about that because the Tim Masters case, when they look back on that, there was clearly uh, wrongdoing, wrongdoing there, there on was. the part of the police, uh, the police officer, the detective in charge of it, faked evidence. This was a case where it seemed like it was a, you know, it from the from the evidence that they had at the time, it pointed to yeah. Robert Dewey, and there was no mistake. And you actually interviewed the the prosecutor who put Dewey away 18 years ago, and was even involved right now in trying to get. You know, in in his release, what what did he say? Yeah, he said, well, a he said, I wouldn't have done anything different than I um, with everything that I knew back then. I wouldn't have done anything different, and yet I feel terrible, and this is changing everything I uh, everything I do from here on out because obviously I put away the wrong man. He yeah. should be compensated well, somehow, though, well, if not suing, right? I interviewed David Lane, who was the Tim Masters' attorney, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. and he David Lane basically said this guy Dewey has no no case to uh, sue because there there has to, I mean the law is very specific you've got to have some sort of misconduct, huh. uh, blatant you know hiding evidence, uh, yep. withholding stuff. So and that doesn't necessarily look like that was the case here, and that might be another reason why he wouldn't be able to file a, a civil lawsuit and get compensation from the, the state, yep. uh, which is really unfortunate. But, you know, at least he's out and he's not still in jail because of this DNA evidence. Uh, and this has been something that has been worrying uh, civil libertarians for a long time, the move toward categorizing and taking every single person's DNA as, they're, as they've been arrested. I know that the FBI is putting together this large-scale database uh, of genetic information so that they can tag certain people with crimes and have this uh, kind of huge computer system, this Google of everybody's uh, genetic information. And it's a case even now where just by getting arrested and not even being convicted, there's a lot of police departments that will take your your, your DNA, just like they take your They're doing that in New York now. I yeah. think New yeah. York led the way on that one, right? There's 20-something states that have that law. I think, oh. doesn't, does Colorado have any... I couldn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that they're really? they're starting to roll it out because I know that they're, um, you know, at least the Justice Department is, it's it's leaving it up to local law enforcement agencies whether or not they want to participate in this. But um, there has been, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, district attorneys that are very very for moving toward taking and taking all this um, information, notably Denver, Boulder, lots of other, pl- and and of course prosecutors. Um, want it police departments want it because it's going to make their job more precise it makes me very uncomfortable but then when i look at a, a case like this i'm like well can we really refute that because there are all the all the vagueness all the ways that we don't know whether or not someone's guilty or innocent 
can in some ways be done away with by having this types of genetic information. Well, all right. If, if you're wrongly if accused. You, sure. If you look at this case, though, and, and this, this person is a suspect and they take their DNA, they can prove that this guy's not a part of it. It doesn't mean that, like, everybody submitting isn't going to exonerate. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's it's uh, and the thing about when I, thinking about this, my first reaction was, well, fine, you know, like what do I have to hide? It's just like, what, how's it any different than fingerprinting? And we but also we all submit the fingerprinting, but it is right? different in fingerprinting because they're, like all the information about who you are beyond your personality is there. You know, and it's and it's cataloged and and your family's in a paranoid way. Genetic information. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's revealing way too much about yourself. And 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 I would like to trust the authorities and how they're going to use that and that it's just going to be cataloged well, and they, and that's until what, it's that's queried. What, that's what they say. They yeah. say we're not even going to look at it until it. A red flag these, goes we up. We have all these safeguards in there. It will have this sort sure. of firewall around it. We're not going to use they it. They do now. Place, but, but come but. on. I mean, when you have this humongous database, I mean, that database on a national level, it can be used by so many different law enforcement agencies. Can be It's being used by um, Immigration and Customs Enforcement now to, right. through the Secure Communities Program. James, what, where do you fall on this? Is If you got arrested for... Um, you know, disorderly conduct in in Lodo after getting in a kind of bloody fight at um, the sports column, uh, but then later the charges were dropped. But your your DNA evidence had been collected and is now out there in this system. Yeah, I'm I'm not cool with that. I guess I'm a civil libertarian in, when it comes to that. But then you know the other side is I mean the the Denver DA has put out a report in the last few years saying we know of 47 cases that uh, 47 violent crimes including like three murders that would have been prevented if we had been able to take dna at the time of arrest how so, so I mean, though how so so because they can tie them to other crimes well they've they've picked up on 47 people who've been convicted of a crime who were arrested um Oh my gosh! Who who had been convicted of one crime uh, had been arrested like three years earlier than that. If they had picked up their DNA at that point, they would have, I think, they would have been able to match these because they have these cases. They have these assaults or other crimes uh, which are unsolved, which are they don't have a suspect for it. If they would have had that information, if they would have had this database, they would have been able to catch that person. Well, all right. What if what if it was? What if they took your DNA after conviction? So you would have to do something wrong. Yes, instead of before, instead of like, you know... Yeah, that's how it is right now. Oh, really? Yeah. If you go into any, I think, state or federal prison... I thought it was after arrest. Oh, but they do it... Yeah, right, right, right. So they're already doing that, and they're moving it ahead just to after an arrest. Yep. So they should do it after conviction. Because you're convicted of a crime, then, you know, they're already removing your person from society. I mean... Well, we... Not only are they holding your DNA, they're holding you. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to move on to our next topic, but... um, you know what's our what's our final take on this? Should we just go down to the new no. uh, CSI forensic center in, in downtown and just turn over our blood Prick and it. saliva samples right They're now? They're going to come in and take our mugs after this anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> swab my swab my coffee cup. Right. Okay. Well, uh, we're very excited because our our next guest, who's been waiting in the wings patiently, Justin Bresler, vice president. Uh, of marketing and business development at Visit Denver. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Good morning. Uh, the hashtag Denver Diet or hashtag, hashtag Denver Dares was this, uh, I guess, this Twitter campaign that sort of was birthed out of the mind of uh, our, our co-host Ron Doyle. That uh, was at least taking was spinning off of the Visit Denver campaign. I think originally he he 
posted on Facebook that the Visit Denver Truth or Dares campaign, which is trying to get people to go out and do daring things, was was pretty lame. And then our friend Tyler Wilcox wrote on the Facebook page, hey, I, I wrote those. And had, a, <laughs> yeah. had a sad emoticon yeah. face, and I was like, oh, that's sad. I could just imagine well, Tyler sitting at the Visit Denver offices in his big blue bear costume, like, just so bummed. Yeah. Uh, but, but, I mean, what was your what was your take on the whole thing? Well, first of all, um, I want to thank you for having me on because uh, it, it felt like you guys were kind of throwing down the gauntlet. Like, oh, Visit Denver will never come on the show. <laughs> but we did. Yeah. I mean, uh, we wanted to because uh, – the overall Denver Dares uh, little phenomenon last week we thought was great just because we liked that there's uh, some public ownership of what we're already putting out there. They're for two completely different purposes. Well, tell, well, tell, us, so, tell us about yeah. the, uh, the Truth or Dare campaign so the and the background. Da- right. It. So the Denver Dares concept came out of our ad campaign. And for everyone uh, who's listening who's not familiar – we're the, visit, we're the uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau for Metro Denver. So our job is to talk to people who might want to take a vacation somewhere around the country in the region and convince them that Denver's the spot for them. Well, there's a lot of people that are not familiar with Denver, despite our familiarity with it because we live here. A lot of people don't know what Denver is. They think we're snowbound. They think that we're cold all year. They think that we're a cow town. So there's a gap between if you've been here in the last few years, you kind of know how vibrant it is. You know the arts and culture scene. You know the restaurant scene. You always knew that we were close to the mountains, but you never had a reason to come to the city. And I bet you, I bet you encounter this a lot because I encounter it all the time. People's uh, perception of Denver, what they think it is, and they think you know we're inside the we're up in the mountains. We're like right. Breckenridge, mm-hmm. and that we like ride horses around and. Uh, you know that, then that's where they stop. And they right. know about the Denver Broncos, and then that's where it stops. And well, then they know about John Denver, and then that's where it stops. And then, uh, but then there's so much more, and, and it was, so it was an effort to kind of yeah. break. Well, that. they ever had a friend come to town and they just look at you like, I had no idea Denver had this, or I had no idea Denver had that. Well, that happens all the time once people get here. So the idea was, there's things you know about Denver the truths there's things you don't know about denver the dares so the little tagline is we dare you to see a denver that you didn't know was here or we dare you to see a denver uh so what what were some of the examples of like a truth or dare uh in the ad campaign it's pairing things like um uh maybe a concert at red rocks which you know is here to maybe a street concert or maybe it's pairing um uh, the Denver Art Museum with something like the MCA that the people don't know is around and how you know great and world class that that museum is. So you know I think it started the the you know the public involvement started after the Westward article that was saying you know the Denver Dares are pretty tame. So here's five that we want to uh, challenge people to do and. Uh, that's all cool. The, the dares were never meant to really be a set of thrill-seeking adventures. They were really just meant to try to expose Denver to an audience that really wasn't thinking about it. Yeah, and so the Denver Diatribe audience or the local Twitter audience is not who you were trying to reach, uh, but it did get picked up by a lot of people who had fun with it, like uh, Bruce Young on Twitter writes, uh, Denver Dares, hashtag Denver Dares, ask for a fruity drink at the Lion's Lair. Okay. Uh, there's another one, uh, Keep your job at the Denver Post at, at Denver Post. That's a that's a really tough one. Order a McRib at City O City. Hashtag Denver Dare. So right, right. Like the, yeah. the get your ass kick list. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, the part, of it that hasn't, the part of it that hasn't been talked about is the campaign was uh, sort of the public face of this. But the Denver Dares themselves or live on a website that we have, and also a new mobile app that we put out there, encouraging people to sort of explore a little bit deeper into the city than a typical visitor would uh, when they're here. And that's you know that's part of our overall social media approach is to get people to come here do something you can 
check in through the app and earn these badges, and then that shows up on people's Facebook wall, and all of a sudden someone that's sitting in Kansas City whose friend's visiting Denver sees something about the city that they didn't know was there, and like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Maybe I'll check out Denver a little bit more the next time I'm thinking about vacation. So and it's really got a lot of legs, and it's it you know it's really I mean I love the, the local discussion and it's really fun and it's snarky and everything and we're not you know well and and it, it was this uh, sarcastic insider thing and that's and that's why it was fun because it's like yeah. we all know what City O City is uh, or this one uh, ha- hashtag Denver dares take a dump at the Squire yes never yes, never never do that but we only know that because you know we can chuckle about uh-huh. it because we know how disgusting the Squire. I'd uh, sooner go out back in the alley and take care and of business. And you probably have. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it wasn't so much they were ragging on the campaign. It was really more about, uh, well, I'll take it as an homage to what we were doing and really taking it, uh, yeah. to, it to a different place. But, but so. what I'm wondering, is it hard? Denver has, in Colorado, the metro area, there's so much shit going on mm-hmm. all the time, especially in the summer. There's festivals. There's the zoo. There's like a million things that are going on. And I find it's pretty hard if you're trying to promote an event to get people to actually come out to something and sometimes break through the noise break through the noise and and sometimes things work sometimes things don't and with social media it's like you can have like a a lot of social media activity but then it doesn't result in anyone doing it what what have you found there at visit denver is well you know no one's going to come for an event here unless they're already interested in the city and so our job first and foremost is to convince them that denver is a fun place to have the vacation because you're not going to you know you might not go to a great event in a crappy city uh, but you might come to a great city and then figure out what else to do with there. Maybe it's an event that sort of hooks into you. Maybe it's just uh, all the things that, that, that get listed out. So uh, what we usually do, the way you usually look at it is if you're looking at individual events, it's, you're probably someone that's been here before. And you're just looking for the next reason to come. Yep. And maybe that's a concert. Maybe that's a festival. There's tons of stuff going on. I was looking at what's going on this weekend. The People's Fair is going on this weekend. Uh, Chalk Art Festival is going on in a few days. Uh, Civic Center Eats kicks off next week down in Civic Center Park. Pride Fest is coming up. So those could be things like, okay, I'm looking for a reason to come back to Denver because I live in Cheyenne or I live in yeah. Albuquerque. Or I live in Kansas City, and I like coming there every couple of years. What's the thing that's going to get me in here? And those are some examples of what, the, what might do it. And so uh, non-Denverites then, and even people regionally, for them to get them to come into denver mm-hmm. uh for a non-sporting event <laughs> you know it's not right. and that's it seems to me like the most the reason why anyone would drive from colorado springs up to denver is to go see the nuggets or go catch a football game but what are some of the events um that you've seen are actually ones where non-denverites will you know come up to the city to check it out because of that event sure you know a lot of the things that have been going on at the major cultural attractions have been doing it a couple of years ago tons of people came from out of state to see the king tut exhibit last year a lot of people came in to see the pirates exhibit at the science museum this year people were coming from the coast and internationally see the Yves saint laurent exhibit at the denver art museum yeah. which still has about a month left and that really put denver in the national crosshairs because it went from paris to madrid to denver and this is the only place in the in north america where it's going mm-hmm. and so you know as the visitors bureau we don't we don't really own anything we rely on the people in town to put together things that uh that will be appealing and we just you know promote the hell out of them through yep. whatever whatever means we have and there's a lot of different channels for that you know advertising serves one purpose social media serves another purpose we we would like to get people to come to our website where they can learn at their own pace and uh learn about the things that interest them because maybe they want to just see the family attractions and, and, maybe they and want so the uh we're we're gonna uh, be pitching Julian here in a few seconds and, and try to get him. Uh, we're going to try to convince him. We're going to give our own special pitches to Julian about the uh, 
the events that he should go to. But Josh, I don't like anything. <laughs> he, he's, he doesn't. He's he's a very I got hateful you. person. I got you, uh, Josh. Well, you yeah, have something a, to say? Yeah, I have a quick question. Um, <clears throat> whenever, and I'm sure you're totally aware of this, but whenever whenever I talk to people either Fort, from Fort Collins or even flying in about complaining about coming to Denver and def- yep. what what makes it difficult is transportation. Mm-hmm. Often, so there's like not a reasonable transportation system from there's Fort no Collins to Denver, or yeah. or from the airport to down downtown. Right. Is that something you guys? It hasn't been that much of a barrier to us, and uh, you know, it's also not something that we're not really involved with with regional transportation. We yeah. just again, we'll we'll promote what's already out there. It's going to be huge for us when the when the rail line from downtown to DIA gets completed because that's going to be great for tourists. But here's an interesting little fact because we do hear about DIA beating out in Kansas. Right. Uh, DIA right. is the same distance from downtown Denver as O'Hare Airport is from downtown Chicago. But because you're running through a whole lot of nothing. It feels like it's a lot further away. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. there's a perception thing out there. Right, and, yeah. You know, the space will get filled in, and no one will be any the wiser. And when the train gets gets completed, I think a lot of those complaints will go away. Yeah, the train yeah. is, is would be, would be totally key. Yeah. Yeah, and and it seems to me like having that train there, uh, it'll be a situation where right now people land because they're coming to Colorado for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but they rent a car and then they drive straight up to the mountains. They rent a car and they drive, you know, wherever they need to go to go camping or fishing or whatever the thing that they need to do if you have that train there they're going to be taking that train because they're renting a hotel in downtown mm-hmm. denver and they can go and they get plopped right down in the center of the city and right and, really and the lead from that. downtown as opposed to da we have yeah it's actually a lot more prevalent in the winter believe it or not summer's our bigger season and a lot of people do either hub out of denver Yep. Or start uh, a regional driving tour out of Denver and then maybe come back. So maybe they'll fly into DIA. Maybe they'll go to Rocky Mountain National Park. Maybe they'll go to Yellowstone. They'll go down the Grand Canyon. And then they might loop back to Denver or they might fly to Vegas or Salt Lake or something like that. Hmm. So our job is to try to get them in here for as long as we can, uh, knowing that during the summer there's lots of other things that they want to see in the state. So, And so for folks, uh, before we move on, for folks that are organizing events that aren't, you know, these big, like they're not the People's Fair or other things like that, but they might be, you know, some sort of art walk or things like that, is is how can they sort of plug into the the, the t- tourist mainline, you know, because we can hit up all the locals and locals might know about it, but to get those tourist people sure. to be attending your event. Well, we have, uh, I think, one of the better event calendars in, ca- in town is called Denver 365 or Denver365.com, and there's a, there's a link on there. You can submit your events, and it's all free. You can submit every, anything that you have. We just kind of edit them to make sure that they're you know spelled correctly and yeah. not offensive uh, and just fit our... Uh, uh, there's things that we won't have on there. We won't have, like, you know, fundraisers and, and things like that. So anyone can uh, can submit there. And then the that whole database of events is searchable by visitors. And then they can also send us their press releases if we think that they, they got an Because uh, that know, site is so. promoted to the non-Denverite tourists and they might be here. I'm here for two days and I'm going to go check out this calendar. Yeah. And, oh, there's what's this going on? thing I mean, going on. I mean, you, you do that when we go on vacation ourselves. Like, what's going on when I'm here? Okay. Well, speaking of how difficult it is to get uh, Denverites to come to your event, let us all now turn to uh, Julian because – we're all going to pitch him an event that's going on here in Denver, and all that we re- he is a mystery wrapped in an enigma wrapped in a McRib sandwich. We do know that he has uh, two kids, right? One, one, kid, one kid and one on the way, and one on the way. And uh, you do live in Denver, Lakewood. In Lakewood, okay. Yeah, yeah. I I lived uh, in the uh, Lower Highlands for a year. A year and a half. But you do like to go out and do things yes, in definitely. around town. Okay, so Josh, what do you got? 
What's your pitch? Well, I'm going to pitch something that I actually loved on a couple weeks ago, but I really, really do think that it's something you would like to attend this summer. It's uh, Summer Scream at Lakeside on August 30th. You know what Lakeside is? No. Lakeside is the old um, amusement park. It's got a big wooden roller coaster and all of like the classics. Is it the one on on uh, seventy? Yeah, seventy. Right, yeah. right. So what it is is Denver uh, Film Society's um, younger, real social club. It's called the little younger contingent. They rent it out for the night, and it's if you buy your tickets early, it's twenty bucks. August thirtieth starts at six p.m. So you can take the kids, mm-hmm. and they have um, a beer garden that's free. They have an o- an open bar. Well, and, and the fact, there's, and the there's fact that you have a kid and you haven't been to Lakeside yet, and you live in Lakewood, right? Right. <laughs> that, and all that's the rides, shocking. all the rides are right? free for the night. So basically, you pay twenty bucks and you get free beers, free drinks, free rides, and there's tons of live music and performance yep. art and all sorts of crazy mm. things going on there. Okay, right. so so hold hold your opinion, James. What you got? Uh, I've got a seemingly tame suggestion, which is the Renaissance Festival. Uh, for kids, you got the face painting, goat petting, or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, for the adults, uh, people watching is the best. Uh, you get to watch grown men in <laughs> tights and bloomers swing this goes blades. On, this goes on down in Larkspur near Colorado Springs. I believe so. There's also is there beer? There is mead, which is served in a plastic <laughs> cup. It's mead, also it's s- like a honey wine. Okay, it's yeah. very good. Yeah. yeah. There's also uh, I think the. For the women, it seems to be like a Halloween, uh, which is an excuse to dress scantily. Um, and a lot of uh, cleavage, I guess. Yes, yes. That's, that's how they dress. The medieval, right? medieval, yes. medieval cleavage medieval is, is the takeaway. Okay, uh, Justin Bresler, Visit I, Denver, what do you got? Am I allowed to ask a qualifying question? Sure. Questions. Tell me how old is your child and what gender is he or she? Uh, she is six. Okay, she is six. Well, I would say take her to film on the rocks. I think they had a contest of which Steven Spielberg they're going to play, but on July 16th, they're playing E.T. Hmm. Oh. And, uh, I was going to say Iron Man if it was a boy, and that's playing a little bit sooner. Uh, and I'm going to double down and say there's a fantastic kids. Uh, they always have a kids exhibit at the on the top floor of the Museum of Contemporary Art. And right now they have these little bubble scapes that you can climb in and out in these huge oversized bean bags. They can just throw themselves on how much is so one in town, how much one is town. film on the rocks film on the rocks is 10 bucks per ticket and parking is free but damn. i don't know if there's mm. a ch- if there might be a kid's price damn justin's good that's that was good. a good one it's my uh, job if i so lose this I'll <laughs> be pretty, pretty <laughs> uh, uh my my thing is uh in in uh north denver or i guess in west denver off 38th there's a potenza potenza lodge it's the uh kind of an italian american community hall every August, they have what they call this, the St. Rocco Festival there. Like a lot of Catholic institutions will have these outdoor festivals. But the one that Potenza Lodge holds is super awesome. They have all these, like, they host it in their in their parking lot, super old school type of Italian festival. You can play all these, like, little games where you put um, actual real money down and you can win, uh, uh, I don't even know the name of the game, but it's like they spin this wheel and you're, you're putting down dollars. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're betting on which where it lands it's totally gambling and i don't understand how the potenza lodge can get away with it but then they have other things like cakewalks uh and other other things that you can bet on and win like humongous sausages and big wheels of like mozzarella cheese uh so uh the saint rocco festival by the potenza lodge in august i I think that sounds awesome and beer kids are gonna get bored uh, Watching them, uh, right? But they'll like the open bar at Lakeside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, open bar. Okay, so, uh, Julian, what do you what no. do you think? Which one sounds the best if you had to choose? 
Uh, well, let's go. Let's go in order. I like the the I like the the uh, open bar. I've never been to a <laughs> Renaissance fest, so that would be interesting. Red Rocks is just awesome, and that just sounds crazy weird so yeah okay it's well, hard well it, well it sounds like red rocks would be actually something you would go to with your kid was <laughs> that the red rocks thing would be something you actually will go to with your kid the film on the rocks yeah okay well no and and the the lake uh lake side, lake side. Lake side. i think to all of all these events oh you had to make a choice man yeah but i know we need but a i have to make I, a winner huh okay where's your sound effect use it up right now okay okay <laughs> <laughs> okay while he's looking let's start off with our love and hate Oh, okay. And, and the winner. Coming up, the winner is... And the winner is going to be... Everybody. Because who I'm going to go with Josh. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Lakeside. And then Lakeside. and then I'll go to the movies. Okay. All right. Okay, love and hates before we go out. Uh, let's go around the table this way. Justin. I like Denver 311. I have a, I have a fetish for reporting potholes. This is the city's... Uh, this is the city public information line. You call in for any non-emergency things. You can report malfunctioning streetlights. I love, <laughs> I love reporting when, when cool. streetlights don't change with the pace that I think they should change. Uh, if there's a pothole, I call 311. Whoever works that job... I swear. They're actually Perfect. pretty. They actually seem There's pretty. There's a lot um, you can do. There's a lot you can uh, do. You know, they're not rude or anything stuff. like that. Like, they'll... No, yeah. Yeah. Okay, James. Uh, I'm going to hate on the uh, case search terminal down at the Denver court. Uh, used to be you could go in and look at uh, any case when or before they had the technology. You could just look at the actual file. Now they've got only one terminal down there. It's the only way you can look up cases. Uh, technology is supposed to like open up government, I guess. Yeah. So it's actually kind of closed it off. Yeah, so, I, c- wow. I can endorse that one because it is uh, a situation where when you used to be able to go and actually look at case files, if you're a reporter, if you're just a, a person interested in following a particular case, they make it so difficult. They have these brand new facilities, and they they only have one terminal. Uh, it's ridiculous. Josh? Um, new Saigon on Federal. Um, I've given it love before as uh, the best Vietnamese in Denver. But now they've opened up a brand new bakery attached to the restaurant that has on my sandwiches for under five dollars i recommend the barbecue pork belly but there's also tons of other crazy little vietnamese offerings there that's mm-hmm. a great one okay i want to love i don't know if i always have these very ambiguous loves because i don't know if i love or hate i would just really enjoy the um coverage of douglas bruce the anti-tax activist getting <laughs> yeah. out of jail at the, the downtown and he immediately comes out and there's reporters waiting for him because they they've been missing him they want, they want their Douglas Bruce back because he just unloads the most hilarious, uh, you know, curmudgeonly, uh, petulant, uh, pissy little rants about how awful the food was there and how he's going to sue the, uh, the, the Denver Sheriff's Department and how he, he lost something like 47 pounds. And apparently he was in solid – he says that they put him in solitary confinement for the first days. And then when the reporter went with the Denver Post, went back and talked to the, the sheriff's department, he said, well, no, it was because Douglas uh, Douglas Bruce requested to be in solitary confinement or away from the general population because <laughs> right. he was definitely a little bit scared. So we'll post a link to um, all of these things on our website. So go check those out. Well, that's all the love and hate we have for this week. So if you have something to say about any of these topics or would like to share a little love or hate of your own, Leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. That's 720-282-9355. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at Denver Diet Tribe. Subscribe to us on iTunes. That actually really helps us out when we can um, show folks that we have a lot of subscribers and just really build this uh, whole thing up and keep chatting. So thanks for listening. Thanks for having me.